You're listening to The Dworkin Report, and I'm your host, Scott Dworkin. My guest today is Shannon Watts, the author of Fight Like a Mother, How a Grassroots Movement Took on the Gun Lobby, and Why Women Will Change the World, a memoir of her movement and her journey to the right side of history. But I'd be remiss if I didn't mention Shannon's role as one of America's top gun reform activists. Every day, lives are lost in this country because our lax gun laws allow murderers to easily acquire weapons of mass destruction, in addition to an assortment of smaller arms that are most commonly used in domestic violence. That's why you need to listen to this whole episode to find out straight from Shannon Watts the variety of important life-saving legislation that's languishing in Moscow Mitch McConnell's legislative graveyard. But before we begin, I'd like to ask you to take a minute to visit meetthecandidates2020.com and check out my book series about four of the top Democratic candidates for the 2020 nomination. Few people have Shannon's in-depth knowledge of the current state of the national fight to keep guns out of the wrong hands, which vast majorities of Americans support, but the Russian-linked NRA firmly opposes. Even fewer have had the gun lobbyist group personally target them in the way that Shannon Watts has experienced. Yet, she persists. So please take a listen to our interview about her resistance. Shannon Watts is the founder of Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense in America, the largest gun violence prevention organization in the country and one of the largest grassroots organizations overall in the country with chapters in all 50 states. Shannon, thanks for joining us on the show. How are you today? Thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled. Well, uh, can you tell our listeners a little bit about the, the story they'll find in your recent book, Fight Like a Mother, which includes the story of why you worked so hard to go from being a stay-at-home mom to being an activist? Yeah, you know, I wrote the book, by the way, all of the proceeds go to gun violence prevention organizations, but I wrote the book for three reasons. One was part memoir. I've been asked so many times what it was like to go from being essentially a stay-at-home mom to being the tip of the spear on an issue that can be very volatile. So I wanted to capture that. Uh, I wanted it to be part manual because I also get asked all the time, how did you do this? How can I do this in my neighborhood or my community or my state on any issue? And then also part manifesto. And by that, I mean that it is time for activists, particularly women, to move from not just shaping policy, but to actually making it. And given that women only hold about 17% of the 500,000 elected positions in this country, uh, as the saying goes, if you don't have a seat at the table, you are probably on the menu. And so we encourage all of the volunteers in our organization to consider running for office. Is there a, is there a moment that kind of tipped you over and said, you know what I need to do is I need to fight for gun violence prevention? I was a corporate communications executive for about 15 years and then a stay-at-home mom for five. I have five kids. And at the time, they ranged in age from elementary to college. And had really just, as every American, watched these shooting tragedies pile up on top of each other and no real action by our leaders. And so when the Sandy Hook tragedy happened, I can remember I was in my bedroom in Indiana at the time, folding laundry and watching the news and, and saw that there was an active shooter in Newtown, Connecticut, a place I had never heard of. And I just thought to myself, please don't let this be as bad as it seems. 
And as we all know, it was a million times worse than really the human mind can fathom. But something else happened. I was seeing pundits and politicians on my television in the hours and days afterwards saying the solution was more guns. And I knew nothing about politics or gun violence or organizing, but I knew that was wrong. I knew our country was broken and I knew I had to get off the sidelines. So I went online. I looked for something like Mothers Against Drunk Driving, which had been so influential to me as a teen in the 80s. All I could find were some think tanks run by men. And I thought, okay, I'll start a Facebook page. And I had 75 Facebook friends at the time, but I really did think I'll have a conversation with the people I know about this issue and how do we get involved. And if you know any type A women, you know that uh, it was like lightning in a bottle. And we suddenly went from having an online conversation to being an offline organization. And speaking of online, one thing in particular I'd like to ask you about, just because so many people listening, probably listening via Twitter, um, your decision to get on Twitter, because uh, you've got an amazing following and a great writer, uh, but you haven't been active that long. What made you decide to take the plunge mm-hmm. and tweet up a storm? And, and has that changed anything for you? When I started my Twitter handle, and the funny thing is to me that if you know who Sarah Brady is, James Brady's wife helped start the Brady organization. Uh, she found me on Facebook in the days after I, I started my Facebook page. And she messaged me and said, you need a Twitter, Twitter handle immediately which is pretty funny that she's telling me she's older than me that I needed to get on Twitter. And, and I did. And so in those first few years, I really just shared talking points and news stories and really it didn't have a lot of personality. Um, and I just was sort of towing the organizational line. And then in 2016, as I sat in the Javits center and experienced that horrific loss, um, in 2016, I, I just said, screw it. I'm going to be who I am and I'm going to say what I want. And I'm going to talk more and then just talking points. I'm going to tell how I feel and use my opinion and just be bolder. And I went from about 23,000 followers very quickly to several hundred thousand. And so I think that's a lesson to anyone on social media, which is it's important to be authentic. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Find out more about Meet the Candidates 2020, my new book series of voter guides, authored by Dworkin Report producer Grant Stern. It's the only place you can read my opinion and a factual portrait of each major Democratic candidate in one place. Buy the book now at the link inside this episode's notes at grantstern.com or your local Barnes & Noble. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Right. Yeah. I know that game. Uh, people wonder, they're like, how did you get so many followers? And I say, I just kind of do it. I don't hold back. It's, it's writing and it's, it's something people want to read your stuff because your opinion matters. And it's because you're so honest that I think people take to it. Um, so well, obviously this week for the first time in decades, Congress budgeted millions of dollars to study the public health impact. 
certainly a negative one of gun violence. Keeping Americans in the dark about gun violence all these years has always been a sign of the NRA's political might. But can you tell me about the influence of the NRA in Congress? Do you see it as weakening in a broader way right now? Oh, certainly. The NRA is weaker than they have ever been. And the gun violence prevention movement is stronger than it's ever been. Um, the, the NRA is under investigation right now on many different fronts. Uh, they are financially underwater. They are reputationally underwater. Our goal for seven years has to been to make their agenda toxic, um, not just to Americans, but to lawmakers, that you really have to explain yourself if you have an A rating from the NRA. It's not a badge of honor anymore. It's a scarlet letter. And that has taken time. But certainly the fact that we outspent the NRA in the 2018 midterm elections, that we just outspent them eight to one in their own backyard in Virginia and flipped both chambers of the General Assembly to have gun sense majorities, goes to show you that the NRA is in serious trouble. On top of that, there's something we call a Trump slump, which means that because there's no boogeyman in the White House, there's no run on guns every time there's a, a shooting tragedy in this country. That was something the NRA had gotten very good at was to exploit those tragedies for gun sales. So they're in a world of hurt. I would never say they're down and out. They're like cockroaches. They will still exist. And they're just waiting for the next Democratic presidency or Senate so that they can, again, uh, sell guns. But that's why we have to keep our foot on their neck and make sure that we are passing laws that take away their power Gun lobbyists should not be writing our gun laws. I agree with that. Uh, let's talk about some pending le legislation. Congressional Republicans allowed the Violence Against Women Act, a law best known by its acronym VAWA, to expire during Trump's record government shutdown, which started exactly one year ago tomorrow. Uh, the House passed a bill sponsored by California Democrat Karen Bass in April to renew it. What has happened since then with the renewal of VAWA? So this has not in the past been any kind of drama in Congress, but what happened was that the NRA has decided that they were, will score this bill, meaning they're going to pay attention to the lawmakers and the way they vote on it. And the reason is because there is a change to VAWA, and that includes a provision that would close uh, the, the loophole that allows domestic abusers to have easy access to guns. And that loophole uh, means that Domestic abusers, even if they're prohibited purchasers, can get guns, but also um, they don't include in, in the current federal law stalkers or dating partners as prohibited purchasers. So Senator Klobuchar has been trying to close that loophole for a long time via legislation uh, since we, we can't do that, given there's not much we can do now that Mitch McConnell is overseeing the Senate. They have decided to put this provision, the House put this provision in VAWA. And, and that's simply why it's not moving forward is because the NRA couldn't care less about saving women's lives. Uh, they only care about making sure that everyone has easy access to guns, including dangerous people. It seems like VAWA is like a common sense kind of thing. Like it just doesn't seem like it should be that controversial. Are they trying to pick every single battle? I guess that they pick a fight with every single thing they can. How, how's, it, how's it working fighting the NRA head on? They're absolutely intractable. I don't think there's a single bill I've worked on in the last seven years, except maybe Fix Nix, uh, that they have come to the middle on. I mean, we've passed laws now in 28 states that disarm domestic abusers. They have opposed every single one of those laws. And the reason that they give is because they say sometimes women lie about abuse and you would be removing the guns of legal, lawful gun owners. Um, there is no 
pressure on them to moderate yet because people like Senator McConnell and Donald Trump and others are still beholden to them. We are loosening the stranglehold that the gun lobby has on our lawmakers finger by finger, but that takes several election cycles. But still, we are winning. You know, when we started this, we were the David to the NRA's Goliath. And the fact that we have beaten them now in several election cycles, that business leaders are starting to get on board, um, and that you know every year we have a track record of killing 90% of the NRA's bad bills, uh, it just goes to show that they are no longer a political powerhouse. Right. Uh, are there any kind of, uh, are there any House bills right now that Democrats have passed that you think have any chance of making into law in the near future? So we have passed uh, several main bills. You mentioned VAWA. Um, there was also a bill that would fund the CDC. We asked for $50 million. They gave us 25 That was something that, that Republicans budgeted down to. Um, but that's better than nothing. It's, we finally broke the dam after 20 years of CDC funding. Um, we've also passed a bill that would close the background check loophole, which, which is basically what Manchin Toomey would have done in 2013. It would mean that even unlicensed gun sales have to have a background check. And then another bill that would close the Charleston loophole. So that's the loophole that allows licensed gun dealers to sell a gun to someone, even if their background check hasn't cleared after three days. It's how the Charleston church shooter got his gun. That's why it's called the Charleston loophole. So those are four major important bills. And we know that there are many more that will be voted on in the coming year. This episode of the Dworkin Report is brought to you by Resistors Like You. We aim to keep this show independent for as long as we can. Visit DworkinReport.com to see how you can help out. One of the best ways is by hitting that contribute button in the top right and giving what you can. Thanks again for your support. Let's get back to the show. Why, why do you think, uh, why do you believe that no major gun legislation passed since Trump took office in, in regards to passed into law, even though every major public opinion poll thinks that we desperately need gun reform now? I mean, he says, yeah, I'm on the side of gun reform. Like, I want to change the laws, but it doesn't seem like that's reality. No, I, I, it is not reality. All he'd have to do is pick up the phone and call Mitch McConnell and this would get done. Um, we know why no bills have passed. And that's because the NRA gave Donald Trump $30 million. They were one of the largest outside donors to his campaign. They expect a return on their investment. They didn't get what they wanted. They wanted to pass their two priority pieces of legislation, concealed carry reciprocity, which makes permitting uh, the lowest common denominator of the land. And they also wanted to deregulate silencers. We've gotten so good at playing defense that they weren't able to pass any of that legislation, even though they had a Republican president and a Republican Congress. But it still means they hold sway when it comes to decisions about any laws that can pass. So that's why you know we are turning our outrage into political action, and we are getting ready and mobilizing to vote in a gun sense president and a gun sense Senate uh, in 2020. I'm really curious about this one. I think it's a clear answer, but um, what is it that drives you every day? Because this is a, it's a tough thing to see all this stuff all the time. You know, it's dramatic to see all the shootings and always have to talk about it. But then you're like so strong, you know, in response and like no fear. What is it that drives you every single day? This is really tough activism. I can't tell you the amount of times that I woke up in the morning and 
you know, there's on my phone, there's been some horrific shooting tragedy and, you know, you get out of bed and that's the next day or week or month because that's when the window is open to have the conversation in this country. But I've never been impacted by gun violence. I don't want to be. I don't want my family or my community to be. So that's why I fight so hard. I think the other piece of this is I work shoulder to shoulder every day with gun violence survivors who have experienced the unbearable suffering of having a loved one stolen by gun violence. And to me, that's heroic that you would wake up every day dealing with this incredible pain and turn it into purpose to save the lives of perfect strangers. And if they can do it, so can I. What can people do to help out? There are a lot of ways to get involved. And I want to be clear that if you feel passionately about this issue, but you're not doing anything, that's not okay. We need everyone to get off the sidelines and use their voices and their votes and get educated and make this a voting priority because 2020 will be the most important year ever for our movement. Uh, You can text the word READY to 64433 and you will have a volunteer reach out to you immediately to tell you about things that are happening where you live. And we aren't just moms, we're mothers and others. We also have students demand action. So you can text students students to 64433 and and you'll get the same response. Uh, You can also follow us at uh, our Facebook page, on Twitter, at Moms Demand. And finally, we have a great website that has tons of data and research and events and it's momsdemandaction.org. I still can't believe that they're pushing back against VAWA. I can't can't get over that fact. It's kind of nuts. that you would push against something like that. But that's, that's really wonderful. Shannon Watts, the book is Fight Like a Mother. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for all you do. A, a true patriot and stepping up when, you know, not many people could and, and you're speaking out for people who really need it at this time. And I've got your back. And I know that, you know, the, the entire resistance and, and hopefully, obviously, millions of other Americans uh, have your back as well. So anything we can do to help in the link of the bio for the post here, the the book link will be there. Please buy it. Um, it's a great guide for you to uh, k- kind of have a framework for activism. Um, and so make sure you pick that up. Uh, Shannon Watts, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. I'm really, really grateful. And it's an honor to be on. I'd like to thank Shannon Watts. Make sure to pick up her book, Fight Like a Mother, How a Grassroots Movement Took on the Gun Lobby and Why Women Will Change the World. Big fan of Shannon's. Make sure to follow her on Twitter as well. Thanks again to my producer, Grant Stern. You can visit our website at dworkinreport.com. You can check out our candidate series on the presidential candidates at meetthecandidates2020.com. You can become a subscriber to the show at patreon.com slash dworkinreport. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash dworkinreport. Thanks again for listening. Onward! Onward!